Good morning and welcome to Subject ACT on 2XXFM 98.3. I'm Doug Doving. Chris Kimball, Chief Executive Officer of Snowy Hydro Southcare, joins us again on Subject ACT as we continue with his inspirational story. Chris Kimball is an award-winning journalist and television presenter. He is also a campaigner and fundraiser for Cancer Support Services, the Leukaemia Foundation and Ambassador for Life Cycle. This week, Chris talks about his role as the Chief Executive Officer at Snowy Hydro Southcare. I thought you may have been caught up or joyriding uh, around. Yeah, a lot of joyriding. <laughs> I could imagine you joyriding around Canberra on helicopters no, every I, day. I, I haven't been up in it yet. I've been here for nearly a year now and haven't haven't got close. Really? Was outrageous. Why is that? Just too busy? Yeah, that's it's just the reality. Yeah, just they used to do a lot more PR type flights and school visits and stuff like that. But since they've sort of cracked the five hundred missions a year mark, you know, it's three every two days. It's just yeah, you just don't have the capacity for that, that wow. sort of fun stuff like that. That's, but, We apologise for the low sound quality at times due to poor phone line quality during the interview. To lead into the interview with Chris Kimball, we have some audio from the video Snowy Hydro Southcare 2015 gala film Changing Lives. Police fire ambulance. Ambulance connecting you now. New South Wales Ambulance, what's your location? Federal Highway, north of Lake George, uh, next to the wineries. All right, help is on its way. Dispatch, we've got uh, paramedics on route. This is a priority one emergency. Dispatching next available units, ambulance. Do you require air support? Affirmative. Requesting the Snowy Hydro Southcare helicopter. Snowy Hydro dispatch, do you copy? Acknowledged. Snowy Hydro Southcare responding. Over. Snowy Hydro Southcare provides aero, and rescue helicopter service to the ACT and southeastern New South Wales region and has completed more than 6,300 life-saving missions since starting in 1998. Today, Chris Kimball is proud to share stories about their life-saving missions, the people they rescue, and the dedicated medical and flight crews. Snowy Hydro Southcare does provide that service to a big chunk of our our state, and and getting to be involved in the organisation is is a terrific privilege. Copy. Five, four, three, two... Chris, welcome back to 2XXFM. There is a, a natural segue between my experiences in the healthcare environment as a patient and motivation to want to actually be involved in a service that provides a very different sort of medical care, but also my experiences sort of gave me an understanding of what it's like to be on the receiving end of that medical care and were part of the driver for wanting to get involved with Snowy Hydro. Being a patient in the healthcare system, how has that helped you as CEO? Well, I, I never got to get up in a helicopter as a, as a patient, but, <laughs> but I certainly uh, experienced what it's like to receive care from people over an extended period of time. And, and you can't go through those experiences and not have a deep respect for the responsibility that sits with those people who, who are dealing with those patients at what are the most profoundly vulnerable moments of their lives. When you think about it, I mean, as a patient, as a cancer patient, I spent sort of three years in that environment where, you know, you go to a chemo ward or you go to an oncology uh, appointment, you, you realise that the people who are providing you care are meeting people like me at the worst moment of their lives, daily basis. You know, they, uh, it takes a unique sort of person to be able to, to have the empathy to understand what people are going through in that situation. And if you draw that comparison out to the rescue helicopter environment, every time they turn up at a motor vehicle accident, every time they, they, they find someone lost in the bush or they, 
even a, a transfer of a critically ill patient from one hospital to another. You're dealing with a family at the, the most horrible moment of their life. That responsibility is just profound. How do they cope with it? Because that is a remarkable skill to have and a sensitivity to have in those moments of crisis. Yeah, I guess for us as observers on the outside, it seems inconceivable that you can process that sort of emotional you know, turmoil on a, on a regular basis. But I mean, I guess they all do it in different ways as well. Some of them treat it as, as this is my, I'm dealing with this patient in these two hours. I'm going to do absolutely everything I can to provide them the best possible outcome. And then I hand the patient over to someone else and I've done in my mind, I've done the best I can. And what happens after that is a matter of process going forward. But I guess you can't be absolutely emotionally involved in every person because then, you you know, that, that adds up, doesn't it? That sure, becomes, yeah. And it, it can't not be mm. confronting, can it? Mm. Everyone's human. Everyone's, yes, yes. You know, people have got young families themselves, our crew and our pilots and doctors and paramedics. And so, you, you know, you can't, you can't not have empathy and relate to what people are going through all emergency services personnel, everyone is so conscious of what they're going through in those situations. And I think the support networks and the, uh, the, the assistance, the debriefing processes, I think they've come a long way in the past five, ten years, even in terms of recognising that these are serious, you know, legacy issues, actually, that people are being dealt with. So, uh, I mean, for me to be able to be involved in an organisation that, that sort of supports them in some ways, they I see it as a real privilege and I have no concept of, of just how difficult the, the work they do is. Uh, I, I see the other end of it when we have patients come back to the base or, or get in contact with us to say thank you. And it's a, a great position to be in to be able to share that with our crews and to say, look, this is the, the young guy that you, you helped with the motorbike accident a few months ago. He's doing great. He wanted to, to say thank you. And I think it means a lot when they do that sort of thing. That must be an amazing thing to experience, people coming back and saying thank you, we wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for your service. Yeah, I mean, for me, we've spoken a lot about storytelling and the value of storytelling. I mean, for me, uh, my job here is sort of telling the story of, of Snowy Hydro South Care and the people that we provide care for, the people involved in providing that care, and everyone else that contribute in some way to supporting the helicopter, whether it is you know, volunteers here on, at our events or at our base, or whether it's our corporate partners and supporters or mums and dads who donate or throw a few dollars in the bucket and things like that. It's, it's telling the story of the whole thing. Yeah, those personal stories of lives that have been genuinely affected by the work of the Snowy Hydro South Care crews. I mean, that's just what brings it home and, and it never fails to, to, to move you when you hear a new story and, yeah, and that's yeah, what makes it unique, I guess. Could you just briefly talk us through how did Southcare start? Like, What was the background to, to the service? Yeah, the service started in, in 1998 and, and there was a, a, a community push after a, been a series of, of incidents in the region which required helicopter services to come out of, out from Sydney, it was a community push led by led by some people in government, some some people in emergency services at that time to, to start the own service here. So the the big hook was uh, it's an unusual situation because you've got ACT and New South Wales governments contributing, but there also needed to be a community buy-in and. And that's part of the reason for the establishment of the trust, mm. that, um, that our role here was to, to engender community support of the service, to, to, to provide financial support from a community backing so that it's a mixed funding model of ACT government, New South Wales government and community funding. And it, it all made it deliverable 
So the, the, the service started in October 1998 and I guess the value of it was demonstrated just a couple of months later when you had the horrible Sydney to Hobart in 1998 when, you know, 44, I think, out of the 114 strong fleet of, about those sort of numbers, 44 yachts went, uh, were, were disabled and retired. Um, I think a dozen were lost and, and six people horribly were, were killed. But our service that had been in its absolute infancy, they'd done winch training on Lake Burley Griffin, were suddenly in the middle of the largest maritime rescue operation in Australia's history mm-hmm. in, 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 uh, outside of wartime. Uh, they rescued nine different sailors in that situation. They were involved in a huge operation. And, and I guess from then, it, it's just gone from strength to strength. But yeah, that was a, a critical moment for a fledgling service involved in a massive event. And, and they learned a lot of lessons from that that they still still sort of take advantage of today. I remember he- hearing a story with that Sydney to Hobart race. We're talking about helicopters being faced with waves up to 20 metres. It was phenomenal in that in that whole event, and when our crews talk about it, the just the physics of trying to provide a rescue in that situation, you've mm-hmm. got you know waves up to twenty meters, you've got a boat moving at, at a certain speed because of the current and the wind and everything, and you've got a helicopter trying to to match the speed, trying to to winch down to it while the seas and the swell is going up and down. Just and there's no reference point. Uh, the pilots were saying when you're trying to hover on the ocean because normally you sort of fix your eyes on a point and that gives you the reference point to, to hover but mm. you don't have that when it's just a big blue ocean so you, the, the technical aspects of that I never really understood until I had the opportunity to speak to some of our guys about it so it's not just a matter of just flying over a boat and dropping a line down they yeah it's a, a highly technical high risk operation that, that demands absolute skill so for them to have achieved what they did is is phenomenal. God forbid they don't have to do that again anytime soon. When we generally talk about a, a rescue team, who would be on the helicopter? Yeah, so on our helicopters we have a pilot and an air crewman and the air crewman serves a number of roles in a, in a rescue helicopter situation. They're, they're the co-pilot effectively, but they're also responsible for everything that's happening in the back of the aircraft. They're also responsible for any winching work that they do. And, and they're the eyes of the pilot um, you know, calling out in any confined spaces work they do the the crewman is really the, the eyes and ears of the pilot looking out clearing obstructions letting them know what's where they're coming down so it's a really important relationship but we also have a, a flight doctor and a flight paramedic and I guess that's what uh, we are a, 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 an absolutely mobile intensive care treatment unit that can take a hospital effectively to the scene of, of a trauma or an incident uh, so that's we're, we're more than just a rescue helicopter we're a flying intensive unit so uh, we have our doctors are either intensive care specialists or emergency medicine specialists or anaesthetists as their specialist category so yeah so they they it's a really unique environment that you're flying out to someone at a trauma it's not like a hospital where you can sort of put your hand out and someone will hand you something or you can bring in another specialist you, you you're, you're on your own there often and 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 they're responding to situations that are uh, confronting and that are unpredictable and yeah, so they have to be ready for everything, really. The the specific medical training and setting up the facilities, is there a, a department that coordinates that aspect? Well, different areas are responsible for, for the different staff in terms mm. of their specific roles. So ACT Emergency Services manages the paramedics and, and manages their training programs. 
Similarly, ACT Health through the Capital Region Retrieval Service, they're responsible for the doctors. And then we have a helicopter company at the moment, which is CHC Helicopters, who were contracted to provide the helicopter, the pilot and the crewman. So each of them have common currencies, like training currencies that they'll need to do. They've got to sort of do winching training. They've got to do different training on the use of the equipment uh, and the, you know, the protocols around the helicopter. And then they're different areas of responsibility. Or, uh, they have detailed training programs existent within those. So obviously the paramedics, the pilot, crewman and, uh, and the doctors. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Doug Dobing on Subject ACT. Let's take a break and enjoy Brass Knuckles Brass Band, Canberra's own street funk brass band, as they play Keep Going, featuring Citizen K. Now I was never one to mess with Fate I guess I was stressing About what I would invest in Always taking a step with Caution that had me sweating Losing sight of a blessing Focus just had to sit in Looking back now refreshing Cause it's logical to optional Fundamentals of obstacles Unstoppable to force I went again to turn adoptable To impossible probables Probably more than optimal Coolness like a popsicle Now I'm watching the oracle So, till the day that I die I'll be keeping it right While stepping the line Like, no, we'll be stuck on this road Let's see where I roll Cause see, wherever I go Whether I know Keep going, keep going like this I followed my peers And life became repetitive And sensitive epidemic That I became accustomed to Back then when I didn't know I could have busted through Probably think I must have knew When I was going downhill Crazy that I'm even here But that I give around still Guess I'm still growing And now I really know it And picking up momentum And no signs of ever slowing No So, till the day that I die I'll be keeping it right While stepping the line Like, no We'll be stuck on this road Let's see what I roll Cause see Wherever I go Whether I know If I go high Or if I go low Climbing the mound, acting the clown Thought I was the man, no I couldn't stand And now that I ran, no part of the plan Till I hit the ground, guess it's everything I lack Now I'm on the track, never looking back No longer following, now I'm in the back The future is bright, I fall through the spot Hardships and we don't know such shit's like So, till the day that I die I'll be keeping it right while stepping the line Like, no, we'll be stuck on this road Let's see what I roll, cause see Wherever I go, wherever I know If I go high, or if I go low Wherever I no matter what shows, I'ma keep going Wherever I go, whether I know If I go high, if I go low Wherever I fly, whether I float No matter what shows, I'ma keep going Keep going like this Stay tuned to 2XXFM 98.3 As we continue with our interview with Chris Kimball Chief Executive Officer of Snowy Hydro Southcare Yeah, last, last year we... we uh, Ticked over the 500 mission mark, which yeah, it's yeah. When you think about it, sort of three missions every two days in that, and uh, I guess that's a, a result of the the region that we cover. Uh, 
we are unique due to the diversity of the region we cover. We, we, we take in the whole Riverina, we take it down south of the Snowy Mountains all the way down to the Victorian border. You follow it round all the way to the coast down sort of Eden Way. You follow the coast all the way up to Twala Duller and back across taking it Goulburn and the, the southern end of the Southern Highlands. So it's, it's an area about the size of England. There's a, almost a million residents there in population. We've got the surf, we've got the snow, we've got the bush, we've got farmland, we've got a capital city in the middle of that, some of the busiest holiday roads and highways in the country, sort of rattle them off from the Hume Highway, the Princess Highway, the Barton Highway, the Monero Highway, the Snowy Mountains Road. So all of that combined, uh, you know, means a lot of work. Everything from motor vehicle accidents to people hurting themselves in the bush to, to work uh, uh, search and rescues in the, in the snow or off, off the coast. So it, it, we are the, the service that has the, the, the biggest, the broadest uh, range of potential jobs. Uh, that's what makes us unique, really. So the area equivalent to the size of England is serviced with one Bell helicopter? Yep, yep. So out of, out of our base here in Canberra, when you think about the... If you think of New South Wales as a jigsaw puzzle... There are different services that have their primary service area. So that's our primary service area, but we're all tasked from a central sort of tasking unit in Sydney. So uh, they will deploy the nearest available air asset. So if we're down, if we're out at the Riverina dealing with someone at a farming accident and there's an accident at Batemans Bay or, or a job at Batemans Bay, uh, the next nearest chopper will be deployed. So that might be one of the other services out of Wollongong or, or, or one of the ones up... Um, up in Sydney, so so yeah. So although it's our primary service area, there's a fair bit of crossover. So they they just get the most appropriate and closest asset to you as soon as they can, and, and that's the whole point of the the um the medical you know aeromedical services is if they can get there quickly, they can provide that level of care straight away and, and get you to the care you need to to receive as soon as possible. Which shows a high level of collaboration between the other rescue teams. Yeah, absolutely, and mm-hmm. I mean. Earlier this year, we had that there was a series of events all around the same week that really difficult. Uh, the ADFA bus rollover near Windelama, mm. uh, and then there was a there was a, uh, a horrible car accident on the same day, and, and there was also an accident down at Mount Kosciuszko. So you had choppers going in all, all different directions. It was Grand Central Station, and, and so uh, there are days like that when when every asset has to be deployed straight away and, and quickly, and, and the, the capabilities are being tested. And I guess that's like going back to that Sydney, the Hobart one. That really is. A case where, where it was all hands on deck with every service playing that sort of role so yeah you, you do have to be prepared for, for so many different eventualities on a given day. What are some of the missions? Yeah I guess just in, in this holiday season I guess since start of December they've done 70 plus missions so it was a particularly mm. busy holiday season but they did a couple of high profile ones like a, a young bloke who fell off a cliff at, down at Gorilla Bay whose, whose father sort of did some great stories about how appreciative they were of the service. Uh, in that same period of time, we, we dealt with pretty horrible motor vehicle accidents and, and a couple of them resulting in, in lost lives. A number of them we were able to, to provide care and, and with a difference between life and death, really, in those situations. But uh, And also, you know, things like uh, we, we do provide bushfire support if required. So this year, fortunately, uh, the, the fire season hasn't been too bad locally. I mean, around the country, there's been some horror stories in Tasmania, South Australia, WA, but, but this year it's been pretty damp, hasn't it? So we haven't had to do that. So Ski season, obviously, we, we do a, a fair bit of work up in the snow. Um, and as much people to 
accidents on the roads up and back to the snow as, as much as people injuring themselves at the snow itself, which is a uh, concern always. So, no, there is a real range of, of jobs, Doug. From mm. And you mentioned that some of the training they do within Canberra with the specialist aspects of what they've got to do, some of the difficult situations, do they travel anywhere else to, to if you want to say, cross-skill? Yeah, they do particularly, uh, you know, a lot of training uh, down at the south coast, a lot of water winching training they do in, in combination with marine rescue down the south coast, which is mm. really which is really great. Mm. And that sort of upskills the people on the ground there as well in terms of if they if they're ever involved in a in an incident which requires collaboration between the two services, so so that's that's really good. And, uh, but yeah, they, there is sort of specialist training programs that they all go through, and and they are pretty specific skill sets that um, that they're they're dealing with. So. Uh, they are constantly doing training currencies where you have to sort of rotate through to to do a set of training requirements in a given period. So it's one of those ones that your downtime, the perception is, you know, people aren't sitting around at the base here waiting for the next call. Often they're, they're in training missions or they do, they're doing currencies or they're sort of ticking all those things off. So it, it doesn't really stop in that, in, in that sense, no. as, you, as you can appreciate. Now, funding the operation of Snowy Hydra Southcare must be a huge budget. What type of budget are we looking at? Oh, it, it's, it's a mixed funding model that we operate under in that, in that different areas contribute in, in different ways. Uh, but I mean, in the absolute rawest terms, you're talking about sort of six to seven million dollars to to operate the helicopter, conduct the sort of mission workload that we do every year. So we are, we receive funding from ACT and New South Wales governments, as well as community funding through sponsorship donations, our events that we run. So that's the the model that there is community buy-in, but the two governments fund the bulk of the operation and. It's, it's one of those ones that there's also cost recovery processes as well that if people are picked up by the helicopter, they, there's an ambulance fee, just like a normal ambulance. You don't get a bill for $20,000 no. picked up, but, uh, um, but that's part of the government's cost recovery process as well. But the fundraising side of it is, is sort of relentless because uh, you know, that's, the, that's the reality. The more money we raise here as a trust, the more we, we donate back to the helicopter operations. It's, yeah, and it gives a sense of community ownership that this is a community service that people want to get behind and support and it's really important for, for our community and, and that's a way that people can, can demonstrate their support. And I can see, um, as you mentioned, as a storyteller, the importance to, to get the story out there so people can understand more about it and the more they understand that they can be more participating in supporting it. Yeah, and, and I mean the stories are absolute genuine stories and I think that's what makes it a little bit different because our past patients, our sort of mission alumni are our greatest advocates. They are genuine stories about without this service, my life, you know, I may have died or my life would have, had a, would have been a whole lot worse. So they resonate with people because they are, they are real. And a bit like we spoke earlier about you, you often don't understand what it's like for someone going through serious disease like cancer or something like that. And so it's been, until your family has gone through it, you know, hearing from people that, that you can relate to really brings it home. And the message that we get is, I never thought it would be me or I never thought my family would be the sort of, would be on the receiving end of that. And, uh, brings it home that this, this could be 
It could be your life we save. It could be someone close to you. It could be a family member. And, and accidents don't discriminate. Exactly. Tragedy doesn't discriminate against yeah. anybody. And, and it could be one of our family. I, yeah, I mean, the, the, the legacy of... I mean, we've done close to 6,500 missions now since 1998. Mm-hmm. And you think about the community legacy of, of that sort of work and, and the ripple effect going out. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It and is great, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. You, you go to any community event that we run or if we sort of have a, even having you have a barbecue down at, down at Home Hardware at Gungahlin with our volunteers and, yeah. and someone will come up and tell you a story. They'll say, oh, you, you know, you, you saved my daughter a couple of years ago or you looked after my dad or, or you pulled me out of a car crash or something like that. And yeah, you don't have to look far to, to find someone who's liar has been affected by the service in one way or another. Now, that must be a big change from working in politics to be now working in an area where most of the stories are so um, appreciative. Yeah, it's, it's a good story, Doug. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and, you know, most of the time it's, it's a good story. I mean, uh, tragically, there are, there are times at which our crews aren't able to mm. provide care or aren't able to, to have an outcome and just by the nature of, of medical trauma, there's only so much you can do at times. And, and that can be confronting. And, and I also receive the letters, you know, really beautiful letters from people who who say, um, you know, you came and you, you provided care for my father, but, but he passed away. And we just wanted to say to say thank you and acknowledge that the guys did all that they could and, and things like that. So so that can be confronting at times, but, but sometimes equally as affirming that you, you know that it's not all, all, all roses and butterflies sometimes, but, but sometimes those... The situations are so horrible that they don't have the outcome that you would have liked. But mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is a service that's there to give you the best chance of having that positive outcome. And, and without it, the, the number of those situations would, would, be, would be far higher. So. You are listening to Subject ACT with Doug Doving. What are some of the events that you have to encourage one of awareness but also fundraising purposes? Yeah, I guess we have a, a, a range of events that give people from different areas of the community an opportunity to, to get involved at very different levels. And uh, we have our big showpiece event is the Christmas Gala that, that we have that is a great night for where we can share some stories about the service, where we can acknowledge the work, but also say thank you to all of those, you know, the donors and the supporters the volunteers and the corporate sponsors. So that's always a, a great night. But we have our big one coming up in a couple of weeks, actually the community event, and that's our base open day on March the 20th out here at Hume. And that's a great day where people come out to, to get an understanding of how it works. And there's something special too about as a family, I mean, I was here last year with my family, something about seeing that chopper and seeing it close up. And there is something special about the aircraft and, and getting to see what it looks like and, and getting to meet some of the crew and actually, you know, have a, have a chat to them about the work that they do. So the, the um, yeah, the base open day is, is a great event out here. We had sort of about eight thousand people last year. So wow. it, yeah, they're, they're good days. Where yeah, yeah. What are some of the things? I like what time would the base open for people to come and check it out? Yeah, that one's Sunday the twentieth of March, and it's ten till three. And it's one of those, it's a big community fair day too where we have activities and the street machine guys put on a show and the emergency services do different displays and there's things for the kids and and, and rides from Bell's Amusement and food stalls. So it's a market day as well as a base open day. But yeah, it's it's a really good day, 10 till 3 on the 20th of, of March. And, and it, you know, just getting to see the chopper up close and have your photo taken in there and 
that's a big takeaway of information about how it works. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's the day that we sort of open the doors to say this is what we're all about. Our other events during the year, we, we have a, a women in business luncheon that's really well supported. We have a corporate golf day also in March, and, and March is our awareness month where where we invite people to to run their own fundraisers supporting the service, whether it's a morning tea at your work or or a little school day where you know it's a you know, uniform musty day or something where you've raised some money. And, it's a chance for people to do their own little bit to, to contribute back to it and we provide them the support and information as required and, and so March is a big month for us and, and we're really gearing up towards that at the moment and we're part of the, the CBR 31 Days Initiative which is sort of a, a program, uh, Canberra Tourism Initiative where there's 31 events throughout March where you can get behind and, and a number of hours are in there, especially the base open day. So yeah, it's a good opportunity for people to connect with the service either coming out to see us or getting behind one of our events or, or just seeking a bit of information. It's a good month to be able to drive some of those the stories and the awareness that, that's so important in what we do. We'll be looking forward to promote the Awareness Month but also your um, base open day on the 20th um, because it sounds a great place for people to, to come and check out the operation and to, to be part of, of the excitement of the day and to get to know a bit more about it. No, thanks very much, mm. Doug. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to seeing everyone out here on the 20th of March. Chris, thank you very much for joining us on 2XXFM. Thank you, Doug. My pleasure. You have been listening to Chris Kimball, CEO of Snowy Hydro Southcare. Snowy Hydro Southcare is the primary provider of aeromedical and helicopter rescue services based in Simonson, Canberra. You can support them by fundraising, becoming a sponsor or even volunteering or even come along to the Trivia Night on the 10th of March, Open Base Day on the 20th of March or on the 31st of March, Corporate Golf Day. For more information, go to snowyhydrosouthcare.com.au. Join us tomorrow morning, 8.30 on Subject ACT with Lucy, Patrick and Jeff for more local current affairs and news. Coming up next on 2XX at 9 o'clock is Radio Landcare. Thank you for listening. I'm Doug Dobing on Subject ACT.